There's a sign on the yeah. box saying not to be on the box. Okay. The wife of Delta's police chief under investigation for assault. Her dispute with a group of beachgoers. Forced to sell. I actually can't believe that it's taken this long. Why notorious townhouse owner Emily Yu might lose her home forever. And Vancouver's hub city dreams are dashed. I love the NHL. I love the idea of hockey coming here. But I'm also the Minister of Health. How BC's unflinching COVID protocols leave us out of the game. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Vancouver has been frozen out of a chance to become an NHL hub city with Edmonton and Toronto now the only Canadian cities left standing. The Canucks confirmed that disappointing news late this afternoon. And as Richard Zussman reports, Dr. Bonnie Henry was simply unwilling to relax BC's tough COVID-19 safety protocols. Welcome to the ice! Game off. It was supposed to be the week Vancouver was named a hub city in an attempt to end the NHL season. Instead, the league is moving on. Under no circumstances was I going to uh, compromise in any way the health of uh, people here in British Columbia, and we made that very clear. Vancouver and Vegas were seen as the front runners to each host 12 teams, with players in Vancouver operating in a bubble going from arena to hotel. Global News has learned Vancouver is out due to concerns from public health over what happens if a player tested positive for COVID-19 while games were underway. There needed to be contingency in case there was other people who were identified as ill um, and it might mean suspension of uh, part of a series. The NHL is now looking at Edmonton and Toronto as possible options. I love the NHL. I love the idea of hockey coming here. But I'm also the Minister of Health. And the players and the fans and those working at the arenas and everyone in British Columbia expects the rules to apply to everybody. And that's our advantage in this. The city of Vancouver says the economic impacts of being a hub city could be up to $20 million and mean 120 full-time jobs. But the province is clear that the health of British Columbians needs to come first. The Canucks confirming the news late Thursday. From the beginning, our goal was to help the NHL get hockey back on if we could. Although Vancouver won't be a hub city, the team says, we're still excited to see hockey start up again. The province says the goal should be, no matter where the games are played, to prevent the spread of COVID-19. I actually think that that is a positive for us and that it should have been something that uh, uh, the NHL saw as a, um, a positive partnership. The 24 teams remaining are set to gather next month. The bump in the ice leading to the NHL delaying the choice of where those games will be played. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. All right, now let's take a look at today's COVID-19 numbers. We have 20 new cases, including a public school teacher in the Fraser Health region. But officials say no students have been exposed. Total cases now stand at 2,869. Two new deaths, both in long-term care homes, mean we have now lost 173 people to the virus. 15 people are in hospital, seven of them in ICU, and 2,517 people are now considered fully recovered. Let's bring in Keith Baldry for more on this. Uh, Keith, it's hard to argue the success of the plan and the response here in BC, <laughs> but Adrian Dick certainly seemed a little frustrated that the NHL chose to go in a different direction. 
Yeah, and the stats back Adrian Dix here. I mean, B.C. is a beacon of COVID calm compared to not only the rest of the world, but our neighbors to the south, whether it's Washington State or a number of other states that are the locations where potential hub cities are located. It is not safe in the United States. And for evidence of that, listen to Adrian Dix reel out the COVID case, COVID-19 case numbers from today. Today we saw a record day of new cases in the United States, which is the country in the world closest to us. Uh, we've had state records in Texas today, 5,200. Nevada this week, 452. Florida today, 5,511. Arizona this week, 3,779. California this week, 6,712. Records in Oregon. So it was a bit surprising that the NHL Players Association has decided to roll the dice here and potentially expose their membership to a very dangerous situation south of the border. Uh, late just moments ago, the numbers dropped for Washington State. 498 new cases announced today, seven new deaths compared to 20 here in British Columbia. Our neighbors across the line right next door are hurting pretty bad when it comes to COVID-19, as is the rest of America. All right. Thanks for that, Keith. TransLink is pushing for some pretty big changes to high-traffic bus routes as it tries to make transit a more attractive option during and after the pandemic. As Ted Chernecki reports, the Transit Authority is worried about increasing vehicle congestion caused by people who are worried about the safety of taking transit. TransLink told the mayors there's a narrow window of opportunity and it's closing fast. It needs to create more bus lanes on key routes and do it quickly because the way it was done in the past took too long. We would do a design and we would engage and we would do modeling and we would assess the impacts and we would talk to everybody long, long, long before we actually make a change. We, we cannot uh, say that we want quick wins and various priorities uh, without an appropriate consultation with the locals. Remember those protests in West Vancouver against the proposed B-Line? They succeeded in stopping it. Businesses along Hornby weren't as successful trying to stop a dedicated bike lane and a subsequent loss of parking. TransLake has no authority to change road use. It's up to each municipality, and the mayors are being asked to consider some quick changes. We don't want to be in a situation where in September, where people go back to school or, or more businesses start to reopen, that buses get bunched, they get congested, and there's no, there's no money to increase service, so we need to increase reliability. In order to do that, the bus lanes is the best way of going about that. Ridership is now up to about 32% of its peak before the pandemic. There is still a very clear nervousness about using public transit, where only about a third of the passengers wear face masks. So congestion is growing as more people choose the car, and that in turn slows the buses even more, making them less appealing. Ted Chernecki, Global News. Some good news for people living in the Fraser Valley. Uber has expanded its ride-sharing service. The company is now offering rides in Abbotsford, Aldergrove and the Langley Township. Uber says it is continuing to implement safety features to keep riders and drivers safe as we continue to navigate the COVID-19 pandemic. Meanwhile, Lyft says it's seeing an uptick in demand. The company saw ride requests drop by 80% when the pandemic first hit, but when the province moved to phase two, demand for rides doubled. 
An incident involving the wife of Delta's police chief, Neil Dubord, is now being investigated by the Surrey RCMP. It happened in Delta when Lorraine Dubord allegedly sprayed a woman with a garden hose who was walking in front of her Centennial Beach home. The woman shared her story with our Catherine Urquhart. I was making my way back um, to my car, which is parked over at the beach parking lot. When Kieran Sadu left Centennial Beach June 9th, the tide was quickly coming in. So she climbed onto these rocks. Sadu says she was trying to keep her balance and touch the fence. The homeowner was outraged and confronted her. She was like, don't touch my fence. And I said, OK, I won't. So then I didn't. Um, and then I'm still going along and I and I almost tripped and she was like, ha, that'd be so funny if you fell. But then again, we have enough beached whales around here. What she says happened next left the Richmond school teacher stunned. And then she said, I should spray you with my hose. And I said, that would be assault. Like I very clearly said that to her. And she went and got her hose and sprayed me in the face, all over my hair and face with her hose. Minutes later, friends confronted the homeowner okay. shooting this yeah. video. Well, she's literally in the middle of crossing and the water's no, come up and- at the one end when okay. I asked her okay. to get down. But what point was she out when you down. sprayed her in the head with the hose? That is assault. Spray her that head with the hose and turn the hose on. Oh, you wouldn't do that. And I said, I will do that if I have to. Sure. Wow. The $3.6 million waterfront home is owned by Delta Police Chief Neil Dubord and his wife Lorraine. In an emailed statement, Delta Police have confirmed to Global News that an alleged assault is being investigated. That investigation is being done by another agency, Surrey RCMP. They received the file this week. I filed a complaint with the Delta Police Department just to say that I don't think that their investigation was fair and that somebody working in that department in a police department should not be investigating their own boss. It feels like a conflict of interest. And so then it got transferred to the RCMP. In an emailed statement, Delta Mayor George Harvey, chair of the police board, responded. A further statement will be made by the Delta Police Board after the RCMP has released the investigation findings. I have recently made statements along with Delta Council and the Delta Police Board absolutely and unequivocally condemning racism in our city. Do you think she should be charged? I think she should be. I think as um, someone who is married to somebody in such a high position in this community, she needs to be held to a higher standard. I asked her to get off the rocks. Surrey RCMP aren't saying when their investigation will conclude. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Now, although Global News did not hear back from the Dubords today, the Delta Optimist reported late this afternoon that Lorraine Dubord issued a statement to them saying she would like to apologize to the individual involved in the way the situation was handled and that everyone should feel welcomed and supported in our community. First Nations and civil liberties groups have long called on the Vancouver Police Department to ban street checks, saying they're an example of systemic racism. Now, allegations of racist and inappropriate behavior by two officers have surfaced during research into that controversial practice. What's more, the review process appears to have failed, raising more questions than answers into what really happened. Ramina Dea reports. 
The Office of the Police Complaint Commissioner is attempting to get to the bottom of disturbing allegations levied against two Vancouver police officers. We have now learned independent contractors witnessed offensive and disturbing conduct from two Vancouver Police Department officers. The OPCC says it was the VPD which initiated the investigation. The alleged offensive conduct occurred while researchers with Pixis were on a ride-along with police. The consulting company, hired by the Vancouver Police Board last year to review the VPD's street check practices, considered discriminatory by critics. Reportedly, one officer was alleged to have made a number of inappropriate racially insensitive comments and another is alleged to have made inappropriate comments about vulnerable and marginalized people, had anger issues and was overly terse and extremely rude to a member of the public. The observations made by the Pixis researchers appeared in a draft report, but were never included in the final version. Why? The researchers anonymous, the officers unknown. Pixis personnel have declined to provide evidence and have indicated their field notes were destroyed, says the OPCC. Who is Pixis, and why are their employees allegedly not cooperating? The president, Ruth Montgomery, is a former Edmonton police superintendent. The OPCC says it's concerned with how the police board handled the matter. Vancouver Police Professional Standards is currently conducting an investigation with oversight from the OPCC. Romina Dea, Global News. Vancouver police say they fully support the OPCC investigation and are waiting for the findings of their review. They add the VPD takes all allegations of misconduct seriously, including this one. Victoria police are hoping you can help identify the suspect in a hate crime. It happened just after 1 a.m. Wednesday morning in the 1300 block of Douglas Street. Police found a man who'd been attacked and hit on the head with a bottle. Witnesses say his attacker had been yelling derogatory terms regarding the victim's sexual orientation during the assault. The suspect and a small group of other people fled the scene. The victim's injuries are non-life-threatening. If you recognize this man, you're asked to call Victoria Police or Crime Stoppers. A big victory for neighbors of a woman who ran an illegal hostel out of her townhome. You said that you're going to call cops on me every day. Emily, you fought every attempt to shut it down and ended up losing every time. Now she's going to lose the house. Why a judge is ordering her to sell the property in just over a minute. crossing guard who's stopped a lot of traffic over the past 31 years. The loud and loving send-off from the community coming up on the news hour. And Seattle's key arena gets an unusual new name, the inspiration behind Climate Pledge Arena coming up on the news hour. Right now, though, residents of a North Vancouver townhouse complex are breathing a sigh of relief tonight now that their long battle with a nuisance owner is coming to an end. Emily Yu has ignored bylaws against short-term rentals and thumbed her nose at every ruling against her. But as John Waugh reports, now the court has ordered the sale of her property and there is nothing she can do about it. New listing alert. The notorious Oasis Hostel will soon hit the real estate market. It's probably not going to be real until we see actually not just a for sale sign on the outside of our house, but a sold sign. 
uh, and money in our Strata's bank account. B.C. Supreme Court Justice Barry Davies has ordered the sale of Emily Yu's North Vancouver townhouse. Once converted into a 15-bed hostel, despite Strata bylaws prohibiting short-term rentals. I think the message it sends to owners and, and the public generally is that there is a reckoning day. You cannot continue to ignore what the court requires you to do, and that's what happened today. Hi, Emily. Hi. Over this lengthy legal saga, you had not only been found in contempt of court, but was also ordered to pay the province about $90,000 and 55000 to her strata. A claim of another $150,000 is being made by financial institutions. She's worked very hard to avoid that payment with delays and excuses. And, and today is an important day for my client because now a court sheriff takes control. You will be allowed to remain in the unit during the sale process as long as she cooperates with the court order. A sheriff will list the property and accept an offer based on current market conditions. And yeah, it, it is a, a somber moment. You know, we don't want to see a neighbor lose their home But at the same time, it just kind of goes back to being a good neighbor in the first place. You've had lots of chances to correct your behavior. Global News reached out to you for reaction on the court decision. She responded by only criticizing the media coverage of her case. You have to be a good neighbor. You can't run a 15-bed hostel and expect that you're not going to get shut down from someone somewhere. To date, you has never admitted any wrongdoing. Hello, Emily. How are you? But the court has decided a different kind of listing is needed for the former Oasis hostel to finally bring her neighbors some peace. John Hua, Global News. With the warmer weather, parents are being urged to keep an eye on children near open windows and on balconies. So far this year, at least seven children have been treated at BC Children's Hospital for injuries from falls from structures. Sadly, one of those was fatal. 91% of falls from windows involved children under the age of six and happened between April and September. Doctors say with many parents distracted by working from home, kids can easily slip out of sight. Up ahead, the fallout from the largest ransomware attack in Canadian history. We think they have a duty to be um, fully transparent with the public. How Life Labs got hacked, exposing personal information of millions of Canadians. And the search for someone who's poisoning dogs in a Vancouver Island neighborhood. Crews are still on scene to what's left of a three-car crash here in North Vancouver. It's in the center median, just a little bit west of Lynn Valley Road on Highway 1. And as you can see, traffic is slow both ways. Sussex Insurance are your auto plan experts for insurance renewals, changes, or other ICBC transactions all from home. Just visit sussexinsurance.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above a crash in North Vancouver. Life Labs failed to protect the personal health information of millions of Canadians. That is the damning conclusion of a joint investigation by BC and Ontario into a major privacy breach last year. As Aaron MacArthur reports, BC's privacy watchdog agency says it proves the province's privacy laws need to be toughened. 15 million people who had lab tests last year put at risk because of systemic failures at Life Labs. Life Labs did not take proper security measures to to protect the information, very sensitive personal health information of British Columbians, of Ontarians. Last fall, hackers held millions of personal records hostage, threatening to publish them on the dark web. Life Labs vowed to protect its customers' data and was eventually forced to pay an undisclosed ransom. BC's Privacy Commissioner says laws need to be toughened like Ontario has done 
in order to allow fines to be levied in such serious cases. British Columbia is far behind in, in, uh, in respect of laws that properly protect people's information, and so changes have to be made. Life Labs issued a statement Thursday detailing the steps it has already taken, including the hiring of new staff specifically around data protection and security. $50 million has been invested in new technology, and the company continues to use third parties to track the dark web for leaks. The full scope of this breach, however, is yet unknown. Life Labs is blocking the privacy commissioner from releasing the full report. BC's health minister says that isn't good enough. I've, what I'm saying to Life Labs is, don't stand in the way of the release of this report. Embrace the release of the report. Let's get the information out and let's do better. And that's, that's what our expectations are. That's why we made changes in the contract. That's why we are insisting, and we insisted every day of this process, that the public be considered. The Privacy Commissioner intends to publish the report within 14 days, pending any court challenges from Life Labs. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. With the Canada-U.S. border still shut down to non-essential travel, vacations will look very different this summer. But what happens if you're like thousands of others who've already prepaid for travel insurance for the year? Here to tell us more is Consumer Matters reporter Andrea. And Thanks, Chris. Well, it really depends on the insurance company and the policy, of course. We caught up with two consumers who were very frustrated having to pay for travel insurance when they can't travel across the border. As you are about to see, they received very different responses from their insurance providers when Consumer Matters reached out on their behalf. Gail Bourne travels to the U.S. at least twice a year and always purchases travel insurance. The Vancouver resident bought an annual travel insurance plan with BCAA for over $800 from November 9, 2019 to November 9, 2020. But this past March, when the U.S. and Canadian borders shut down to all non-essential travel due to the pandemic, Gail wanted to cancel her policy. I just thought it was unfair that I'm paying for something I can't do. Gail says she reached out to BCAA several times asking for a refund or even an extension of her current annual policy, but says she was denied. As a BCAA member for 51 years, Gail says she expected better. I felt slighted that I had been a faithful uh, customer for all these years and nothing they wouldn't do anything for me. They wouldn't budge. Gail isn't alone. John Rollins' wife has Medoc Travel Insurance, an annual 17-day base travel plan with Johnson Insurance. Her premium is over $900 with monthly deductions of just over $75 a month. While her policy states her plan cannot be cancelled until the end of the policy year, she's still paying monthly even though she can't travel. It just doesn't seem fair or right to me that we're paying $75 for nothing basically. Consumer Matters contacted Johnson Insurance on behalf of John's wife and received the following response. Our annual base plans have a fixed one-year term and are designed to cover multiple trips, allowing customers to take advantage of trip cancellation, trip interruption, and medical coverage throughout the year. Clients with specific questions about their policy should contact us directly. What are we paying for? Uh, it's supposed to be for travel insurance, that's what we're paying, and yet it means nothing. While John's wife never saw an adjustment to her annual travel insurance, it was a different story for Gail Bourne. When Consumer Matters reached out to BCAA on Gail's behalf, BCAA told Consumer Matters under normal circumstances, once a customer uses her annual policy to travel, there's no refund, but also stated these are not normal times and said it's looking at these situations on a case-by-case -case basis. 
Gail says she ended up with a partial refund of over $400 with her policy still in effect until November. If it wasn't for you at Consumer Matters, I um, probably would not have got anything. Well, I wasn't getting anything until you guys stepped in and uh, helped me out and makes me happy. Now, we also reached out to the Canadian Life and Health Insurance Association, which represents life and health insurance providers. It says typically, in most cases, a policyholder may cancel an annual plan as long as there has been no travel taken in that period. However, once travel happens, the plan cannot be cancelled. Going forward, it recommends travellers consider purchasing cancel for any reason trip cancellation insurance for maximum flexibility. And if you have a consumer issue for me, there's my email at consumer matters at globalnews.ca all right thanks Anne. up next no call is routine in car 67 because he feels that there's somebody there that's going to harm him the surrey mental health outreach team and compassionate policing coming up and hitching a ride the crew of a u.s submarine gets a thrill from a pot of dolphins Give a shout out, tag posts with hashtag BC Healthcare Heroes or email bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca to share with Global News in partnership with Fortis BC, ensuring your community has the energy it needs 24-7. Tow truck and police have just arrived on scene to a minor two-car crash here in New Westminster, northbound on 20th Street just before 8th Avenue in the right lane. Time to renew your car insurance? Call BCAA to easily renew your ICBC auto plan by phone and email and find out more ways to save. Visit bcaa.com slash car. I'm Tristy Wisson in Global One, high above a crash in New Westminster. A new report into the deadly 2019 crash that claimed the lives of two UVic students is calling it an unfortunate one-off accident. The report commissioned by the university also includes a number of recommendations to ensure that future trips to the Bamfield Marine Science Center are safe. Brad McLeod reports. I'm a, um, she, she's my youngest daughter. She's full of life. Emma Machado was one of the two 18-year-olds killed during a UVic study trip to remote Bamfield on the west coast of Vancouver Island. John Geerdes also died. For Emma's family, COVID isolation has been hard. You know, it's a nightmare because it's even more obvious that we're missing that important piece of our family that Emma was. It happened last September. A chartered bus with 45 students and two TAs was headed to the Bamfield Marine Science Centre. Uh, two vehicles met in an oncoming fashion and pulled over. The bus hit a soft side of the shoulder. A new report commissioned by the university sheds light on what happened. The bus and passengers sliding 20 metres down an embankment, ending up on its roof. Uh, many of them are still uh, recovering from their injuries. I think the report highlights uh, just how disorganized in some ways the trip was. The authors of the report interviewed students, parents and visited the accident site. They found at least 43 things the university could have handled better. Uh, travel only during uh, daylight. Make sure that the appropriate safety equipment is uh, is on board. Also, making sure there's a way to call for help, like a satellite phone, and require students to wear seatbelts. The family says UVic also fell far short when dealing with them. The care and concern that we felt was not effectively communicated to the families. And so hopefully we'll help prevent 
future incidents like this, but you know, nothing's going to bring Emma back to us. The Premier has since promised to make the roads safer for residents of Bamfield and the Huayat First Nations. The government isn't sharing details, only saying they hope to have more in the next couple months. Brad McLeod, Global News, Victoria. Dog owners in Parksville are on edge as police investigate a series of dog poisonings. Stacy Mitchell says neither of her dogs have been feeling well for more than a month. After several treatments at the vet, she discovered one of the dogs eating a hot dog it found in her yard that had a pill stuffed inside. Not far away, Rochelle Levin says her dog also fell ill after eating a hot dog with a pill inside. After further investigation, police discovered that at least one other dog in the area had also been sick. Obviously somebody that's in the neighborhood or that travels through the neighborhood that has something against dogs. Um, it really puts me on edge in terms of, you know, letting my dogs be out in the yard and I have cats as well. And, um, I just now I'm more, much more worried about their safety and honestly and little kids that are in the neighborhood too. It's really nerving um, knowing that somebody's doing this to our animals and uh, my neighbors have three small children. I have a nephew who's young and he's here all the time. Um, they could have got a hot, hold of that hot dog and ate it thinking that it was something yummy and it's, it could have been really tragic. Thankfully, all of the dogs have recovered. Police have sent the hot dog and the pill to a lab for analysis and are asking for information from anyone who might know who is responsible. <laughs> well, we showed you a glimpse of it before. A U.S. submarine off the coast of Florida receiving a pretty cool escort. Check this out. A pod of dolphins caught on video playing in the waves just off the bow of the submarine. Bow riding is common in dolphins. They are able to position their body in such a way that the pressure of the advancing wave pushes them forward with little or no effort. That is cool. Well, with growing controversy over how police respond to mental health calls with sometimes disastrous results, we're getting an exclusive look tonight at a specialized unit aimed at producing much better outcomes. Jordan Armstrong tells us how Surrey's specialized mental health outreach team works to save lives and prevent tragedies. And how many members are on scene? There's four members there now, but they okay. haven't actually went into the residence yet. Across North America, there's a conversation. Should police be the ones to respond to mental health calls? Should a nurse be sent instead? I couldn't do my job without police presence. Tina Baker is a psychiatric nurse. For the past decade, she's been a part of CAR 67, a partnership between Fraser Health and BC's largest RCMP detachment, a partnership that, due to privacy laws, isn't typically in the spotlight. Our approach is very non-threatening. We get to the file, and we, we're able to just really put the brakes on and, and allow this person to be in their crisis and try to help them through that. He's talking about seeing demons and he's at this group home because he feels that there's somebody there that's going to harm him. Eight out of ten times, she says it's a person they've dealt with before. She rides in an unmarked cruiser with her RCMP colleague, one of 16 Surrey Mounties who've been trained by Fraser Health. We saw him like three months ago. We ended up apprehending him that time. Okay. All the officers on our team are hand-picked uh, because they've shown uh, an aptitude for compassion, patience. 
Now, some other detachments like Kelowna have similar but smaller programs. However, a nurse wasn't on shift the night a university student was dragged and stepped on by a Kelowna officer during a wellness check. Video that's now evidence in a civil suit. Meanwhile, back in Surrey... Parcel 7 has been running for 20 years in this detachment. Um, We have expanded the program. Still, a nurse is only on shift from 1 p.m. to 1 a.m. Fraser Health and Surrey RCMP agree there is a demand for the service 24-7, but so far, no agreement on how to pay for it. We have passionate nurses uh, who are willing to do this work. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. Still to come, crossing over into retirement. After 31 years of escorting kids across the highway, the crossing guard of OK Falls is about to hang up her stop sign for good. And maximum talent. How young golfer Max McKenzie is burning up the local courses. The PNE team has unveiled plans to bring back summer fun to BC families in a COVID-19 safe fashion. Things will kick off with a reverse parade on Canada Day, where you get to drive through the Pacific Coliseum and PNE grounds. Along the route, guests will be treated to entertainment, displays, and favorite PNE food concessions, all while staying in their vehicles. Playland will also reopen July 10th, with as many as 12 rides to start with. You can find the latest information on the PNE website. Amazon makes a statement with the name of Seattle's new arena. We'll have the details right after Christie's forecast. I'm still drooling after seeing the barbecue at the PNE <laughs> grounds there. That was a lot of fun. All right, let's check and see uh, whether we're going to get all the sunshine we seem to have missed in June in the next little while. Here's Christie. Thanks, Chris. Well, I know you were working today. You may not have had the chance to see the sunshine, but it was brilliant today. Hot and sunny, feeling like summer out here, that's for sure. Uh, So hot that we had still quite a bit of humidity, so making it feel hotter. Here's a look at the numbers. The number you can see here on the left is the actual number, 20 degrees in Metro Vancouver, and then away from the water, uh, you're seeing, sorry, and then the Humidex level is on the right-hand side. That's 24, so there's quite a spread between that regular temperature and the Humidex, especially Especially out through Hope, look at that, 30 degrees. And at one point in Vancouver, it felt closer to 26, by the way. Now, we are going to see a change tomorrow. No more sunshine for our day tomorrow. We are going to see increasing cloud early tomorrow morning. Rainfall pushing into the northern parts of Vancouver Island in the morning. But for our region, we'll start to see it in the afternoon. But it does break up as it makes its way in here. So we're expecting just a chance of showers tomorrow afternoon and tomorrow evening. You know what the good news part about this is? Is that the rainfall will happen on Friday and then we may may get two mostly dry days over the weekend. Now Saturday though is not completely in the clear. We certainly still have some cloud cover in our in store for us on Saturday and some showers potentially in the evening Saturday but overall the two day periods look not too bad compared to the last what six weekends everyone. All right so there's your forecast. We are expecting increasing cloud across southern BC with the showers developing in the afternoon evening hours just depending on your timeline again still a chance of showers on saturday but overall the weekend is looking up i'll tell you that and here's a look at your central windows weather window nice shot of of course the white rock pier finally open i know it's been open for a little while but on a sunny day like this like nice to see so many people out there enjoying it yeah great to social see distancing of course back on the pier again all right thanks christy <laughs> right. 
All right, Amazon has secured the naming rights to Seattle's new arena, but you won't see the company's name anywhere on the building. NHL Seattle has announced today it will be called Climate Pledge Arena, and it will be the first net zero carbon certified arena in the world. The venue, which was previously called Key Arena and is currently being renovated, will have several unique features. Ice for hockey games will be made from recaptured rainwater. All events will be zero waste, and at least 75% of the arena's food program will be sourced from local farmers. The arena will have all electric operations and will be home to the city's NHL team, which is expected to make its debut next year. And speaking of Amazon, we're getting a rare behind-the-scenes look at the 450,000-square-foot fulfillment center in Tawasson. Like many B.C. businesses, it's had to transform its operations to keep people safe during COVID-19. Amazon says in total it spent $4 billion U.S. on making its operations safer, including using thermal cameras to do temperature checks, physical distancing and intensive cleaning, and of course 100 million masks and gloves supplied to its employees. Kind of miss names like Pacific Coliseum and Northlands Coliseum. It's a normal stuff. But Climate Pledge Place is good, too. That's true. Good message. All right, here's Squire with a look ahead to sports. It's a good message. It's a great idea, but could it not have been quite as clunky? (laughs) Like, how about Green Arena? Sure. I mean, that still is, you know, it goes off the tongue so much easier. Mm -hmm. When I heard Climate Pledge, I thought at first it was a cleaning product. No, not Lemon Pledge, Climate Pledge. Uh, Okay. 60 is a great score in golf, but 59 is even better. And unfortunately, I came up uh, one short. This is the one. Mackenzie Hughes of Ontario. He leads the latest PGA event, but he almost got into an exclusive club with that putt. And she's been stopping traffic for more than three decades, but now it's finally time to stop working. Her retirement send-off still to come. It's a lot of hubbub over nothing now, apparently. <laughs> well, well for over. I mean, it would have been fun to be a hub city, but then again, none of us could have gone to the games anyway. Exactly. So, as you saw earlier, the Canucks are out of the race to be a hub city in the NHL. Uh, in fact, they might not decide who the hub cities are until next week now. They're still checking things out. I still think Toronto's chances might be better than Edmonton's. It's reasons I've given before. Players Union head office is there. NHL has an office there. Sportsnet, their headquarters are there as well. They televise the games, and it's an eastern city. Okay, Chelsea, Manchester, city that is. Chelsea. Christian Pusilic. Mix up. He steals the ball. He's running. He's he's still running. He's running. Now he's scoring. These cheers outside the stadium are from Chelsea and Liverpool. Because of that result, Liverpool clinches the Premiership title for the first time ever. Travelers Championship, first round, PGA's latest event, and this is Canada's Mackenzie Hughes. He hasn't had a great season, although he did have a good Honda tournament back in March. He finished second. But today, he was brilliant, had five birdies in a row at one point, and then has a chance for 59. Adam Hadwin had a 59 once. Hughes for 5-9, but that's a long putt. And you don't want to blow it way by. Anyway, he'd make that for 60, and he has the lead at 10 under par. Well, it's actually unofficially Canadian golfers named Mackenzie Day. 
You just saw Mackenzie Hughes. Now it's time for Max Mackenzie. All 4'8", 68 pounds of him. A 12-year-old golfer who might not be all that large, but he does play a big game. Max McKenzie just turned 12, but already he has 37 tournament wins, and none more impressive than the victory on the Vancouver Golf Tour this week at Cheam Mountain near Chilliwack. Max not only beat all of the amateurs in the field, many of them adults, but he also tied the pros for the lowest score at four under, and he had a hole-in-one to boot. Even better, his dad played with him and got to watch it up close. He's something special, man. He's, he's got it, you know. He has the, the mind of a professional already. He carries himself like a young professional. Golf is in the McKenzie bloodlines. Max's dad has been a pro for 30 years as a player and teacher, and his grandfather was also a golf pro. So it's not surprising that Max got an early start. Uh, well, I remember I, was, I went to the range with like my diapers on and uh, I just hit a lot of balls with my dad and my brother. He's literally been playing since he could walk and got good so fast he made his first TV appearance when he was six. He first broke par when he was eight and he has beaten his golf pro dad many times already. He just really has this this special thing, man. It's, it's very exciting to see and it's pretty wild, man. I actually ask him for tips every now and then. <laughs> the family actually moved to Chilliwack from Alberta five years ago just so Max could play golf year-round and it couldn't have turned out any better. Everyone in the Chilliwack golf community knows him and is cheering for him to do great things, which seems inevitable. Just keep doing this and hopefully uh, play on the PJ Tour when I'm like young he's just a lover of the game so passionate about it and you know he, he's making his dreams come true so being along a, uh, for the the ride on this adventure that we're off to has been phenomenal max's talent is undeniable but it's the way he carries himself that has his dad beaming with pride he's got such a great heart it's 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 very special like to to watch him develop into such a, a beautiful human being. Oh, that's some good hair too. Yeah, Ooh, I oh. like that look. Oh, the curls coming out from under the cap. Yeah. Handsome boy. All right, here's Jay Durant now. The preview of Global News at 11. Jay. Thanks, Chris. We'll have more reaction to Vancouver being eliminated from Hub City consideration. Plus, 50,000 BC hotel workers are asking for help from the government to protect their jobs when pandemic restrictions are finally lifted. And there's another call today for an end to fish farms on the BC coast. First Nations groups claim they are not meeting government-mandated safety regulations. We'll have those stories and more when you join us tonight at 11. Sounds good. Thanks, Jay. All right, our salute to our healthcare heroes up next. Plus, she's kept kids safe for more than 30 years. We'll meet the crossing guard you don't want to cross next. Grateful it's time to recognize one of our BC healthcare heroes stepping it up for BC during the COVID-19 pandemic. And tonight's nomination comes from Ryan Decker, who wants to recognize his girlfriend, Samantha Olson. Sam is a newly graduated nurse who works in the cardiac unit of Royal Columbian Hospital. In the middle of March, Sam took a trip to Europe with her best friends. She was in London when Prime Minister Justin Trudeau urged all Canadians to come home. So she jumped on the first flight available, cutting her trip short. 
short. Her intention to return to work as soon as possible. But shortly after coming home, Sam started developing symptoms of coronavirus and eventually she tested positive. She quarantined for two weeks, staying in her room to avoid contact with her family. When her quarantine was done, she got right back into her scrubs. Her boyfriend Ryan says the determination she shows every day is commendable and he is so very proud of her. And we are too. And we'll remind you, if you have a health care hero you want to see recognized, send an email to bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca. Include a few pictures and some information about why they're your hero and hopefully we'll feature them next. Well, the small South Okanagan community of Okanagan Falls paid tribute to their beloved crossing guard this morning. Rose Ma is retiring after 31 years of tireless work and dedication ensuring kids get to and from school safely. Global Shelby Tom reports. Alrighty, here we go. If you live in Okanagan Falls, you probably know and love Rose Ma. Most welcome. The crossing guard has spent the past 31 years in here rain, shine, or snow, shepherding students across Highway 97. I'll see you at school. To ensure they get to school safely. Even the smile, the kids. Well, make my day. She's somewhat of an institution here, a staple of childhood memories. Rose understands that it takes a community to raise a child. And on Thursday morning, the community paid tribute to Ma as she crosses over to retirement. So there's no words uh, to describe the feeling right now. Supporters honking horns, waving signs, and delivering gifts at her longtime perch near 10th Avenue. I'm very overwhelmed. Getting my kids across the road to school every morning for their whole entire school career was just wonderful. It hasn't always been easy. The highway getting more congested, drivers more distracted. I find that a life is worth more than the phone call or the text message. Ma not afraid to scold unsafe motorists. There's been times where she's had to be quite vocal about ca cars um, not stopping and she's just protected our kids and she's a huge asset to our community. But over the past three decades there hasn't been one collision involving a young pedestrian on her watch. A stellar record that she's proud of. They reach their home safely. Her departing message to drivers, a philosophy she lives by. Be patient, be considerate, safety first. Thank you, Katie. Shelby Tom, Global News. Oh, that was like the Dr. Bonnie of... Of crossing guards. <laughs> Okanagan, Okanagan Falls. Okay Falls, yeah. Tickleberry ice cream. Oh, <laughs> is that your recommendation? Yes, is I recommend. Is that the place or the flavor? No, 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 it's the place. There are oh. a lot of flavors there. I just know going through there once, I'm like, it was hot. It's like ice cream, tickle bear. Well, well Rose Ma, you deserve a double scoop. Thanks for <laughs> all those years, and thanks for watching, folks. Good night, all.